0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Nudie Brains podcast. My name is Emily and I'm the host. Today I got to interview Alana, or at Green Marine Scientist on Instagram, and she is just amazing. She has so much research experience, is currently getting a PhD, and has time to live a pretty like plastic-free life, which sounds... Really daunting, I think, when you first jump in, but she provides a lot of really amazing tips for how everyone can take steps to make their life a little bit more plastic free and even save money. It's not really that expensive to live package free, um, and so I think she gives some really good tips. She also responds really quickly to messages on Instagram if you have any questions. Uh, if you want to follow me, I'm at Emily, the marine biologist, on Instagram. Don't forget to leave a review of the podcast and subscribe so that you don't miss any upcoming episodes. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Alana. Of course. Yeah, I'm glad. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's jump right in. What is your favorite invertebrate?
1: Um, so my favorite invertebrate is um, cephalopods. Um, I did my senior thesis um, undergrad project on them. So they're one of my favorites.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And why did you start studying science in the first place?
1: Um, So it was just one of those things that happened kind of organically. Um, I really enjoyed um, all my science classes in high school. So I really got into it with biology my junior year. And then my senior year of high school, I was able to take an environmental science course, which kind of uh, steered me towards marine science specifically.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I know you're on a PhD program right now, but you've had a lot of research experience before this is looking at fish and encephalus and all So do you want to talk about your different research projects that you've done? Yeah, so um, I did my
1: undergrad at the University of Miami. So um, I did a double major in marine science and biology and double minor in chemistry and psychology. And then while I was there... I um, started as an intern in the NOAA lab in Miami doing plankton sorting. Um, So basically I would just kind of like sit there, look at a microscope and sort out the, you know, quote unquote important stuff for our lab. So that would be things like larval fish, larval cephalopods, larval lobsters and fish eggs, kind of ignoring things like copepods. They were just like a little bit too small scale for what we're looking at. But um, things like that is what I was studying. Um, And then I turned my senior thesis Um, project into a cephalopod project, based on what I was finding in those uh, larval samples. So I looked at um, larval cephalopods of the Eastern Caribbean um, from the year 2009, which was an anomalous plum year, and identified all the larval cephalopods. So um, it's a pretty understudied field in terms of identification. Um, There's not a whole lot of resources on how to identify them. So it was a pretty big project, but I'm excited that hopefully I can get to present that at Ocean Sciences this year. Um, So that'll be fun. And then um, in the same NOAA lab that I was in for my intern project, um, they actually hired me after I graduated from college. um, And I started working on like their grant funded research projects versus like my own kind of ideas. Um, And it was great. Uh, They had me working on bluefin tuna larvae. So basically, we would go out to sea and um, collect all these samples of plankton, and I would sort through them, find the bluefin, take photos, catalog them, measure basically, catalog what bluefin were actually being spawned in the Gulf of Mexico.
0: That's so cool. And what kind of cephalopods did you see when you were collecting the plankton? So we saw
1: a lot of, um, you know, obviously octopus and squid, no cuttlefish or nautiloids or anything like that. Um, but we saw mostly squid. It was a lot of, um, midwater squid. Um, I should know the common names, but I actually just know the scientific names. But one that I was really excited about was, um, we're actually pretty sure I've been talking um, with an expert at the Smithsonian about our identifications. And we're actually pretty sure we found a larval giant squid.
0: That's so cool.
1: Yeah. So that was pretty exciting. We were really excited about that. Other than that, like kind of the normal ones you expect from that area of the Caribbean, um quite a few um uh reef squid and they're so cute when they're babies like they're probably my favorite
0: that's so fun and yeah. so have you continued that vein of research into your phd or what are you doing now
1: so now um for my phd i i kind of went on a slightly different track so Um, I started working in a biogeochemistry lab. So biogeochemistry, I guess, for people who might not be familiar, because it's so like specific, um, (laughs) it's basically looking at like the natural geological chemistry of a location and how that influences the biology of what's going on. Um, So yeah, that's basically what I do now. So we've been working on a lot of projects. Um, For example, we have um, a kelp Project where we're looking at nutrient cycling and acidification rates around kelp forests. Um, We have a paleoclimate project we're doing where we're looking at the um, chemistry of deep sea forams that were pulled up from you know centuries ago to see what the climate was doing then. Um, We're working on um, a phytoplankton project in the Mediterranean that'll actually be going to Israel for in June, which is pretty exciting. That's awesome. Yeah, so that'll be really cool. And then for my research, um, I'm hoping that I can kind of use what I learned at NOAA to um, look at the chemistry of bluefin tuna larvae from a novel spawning location, that being off of the coast of uh, the northeast, as a potential indicator of water, spawn or water spawning origin, like natal origin, um, to hopefully get a better indication of where these fish are spawning, why they're spawning, and just sort of life history traits.
0: Yeah, that sounds really cool, because blue tuna are commercially valuable, right? So it's important yeah. to kind of
1: yeah, very expensive fish, very overfished, and, you know, very threatened species.
0: Yeah, so that sounds super important. I apologize that my cat has joined and now wants to be on top of my keyboard. So. <laughs> well, he's
1: adorable. Oh, my God. Thank I love
0: you. Um, so, cool. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to mention about your research, or do you want to kind of jump into your, your side project a little bit?
1: Yeah, side projects are great, yeah.
0: Cool, so I know your Instagram that you run is at Green Marine Scientist. Yes. Uh, so do you want to tell everyone a little bit about that, what you do, what made you start doing all of your, you know, plastic-free stuff? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, so when I was talking a little bit before about um, when I was hired by Know What to Do, both plankton sorting research and uh, going to sea to look for bluefin, um, I was finding quite a few um, microplastics per sample in our plankton tows. And then it kind of all came together full circle for me when I actually went to sea to the Gulf of Mexico. And just like when you're going in the waters where you can tell you're in the mouth of the Mississippi, like it's just, you know, full size plastic coolers that are floating down and, you know, styrofoam cups and plastic utensils. And it's just like a mess. And I was like, this is not something that I want to contribute to anymore. And um it's funny, my boyfriend's sister actually was like, Well, what are we doing for New Year's Resolutions? And I didn't have anything good. Like I like don't, you know, particularly find it like that fun to be like, oh, I'll go on this like no chocolate diet. Like that's just like not really my thing. And so I was like, what can I do that will actually like benefit me and like do be something good basically? And so I was like, well, I'll see what it's like to not use plastic for a while. And um in doing that, I searched online, like, you know, how do I stop myself from buying this product that's, like, always, like, encased in plastic. And there's so many resources that I found. And um, so I was actually pretty successful with it. And uh, I think that was in January of 2018. And I've been doing the no plastic thing kind of since then. Um, Obviously, I've gotten better at it. It's a slow start. Um, I'm still, like, weeding through some hair products that I use, like, once a year. But, um, yeah, that's kind of what, what spawned it was, you know, seeing all the plastics at sea and being like, this is not okay.
0: Yeah. Are there any stores that you particularly like to go to for those kind of products? Or like, how do you manage that? Oh,
1: yeah. So, um, I mean, it totally depends on your location. So that's one thing that I really found. So I started doing it when I was living in Miami. Um, and since then, there have been so many places that have opened up. But when I started out, it was really just Whole Foods that was near me. So there's a bulk section of like dry goods and Whole Foods that um, is pretty helpful if you're especially just if starting out um, just to get some rice or beans or, you know, plantain chips, like just something like quick and easy, like for snacks or just like your staples that all come plastic free. So that's a great resource. And also um, in the produce section, like there's usually an option for some something not wrapped in plastic. So that's what I usually go for. Um, and then of course there's stores that have opened up since I started, um, especially in Miami. So there's one in Miami that I actually haven't been to yet, but I've heard awesome things about that I really wanna go to next time I uh, when, when I get down there next, um, it's called Verde. And then up here in Massachusetts, um, I do still go to Whole Foods a lot. There's also a grocery store called Neighborhood Produce that sells um, some bulk goods, and um, there's a new store that opened up called Cleanland, which sells uh, like cleaning products in bulk. So that mm-hmm. way, you're not coming across like oh, home from the grocery store with all these plastic jugs of cleaning supplies, things like that. That you know, you don't think of all these things that use with plastic every day, but they're there
0: jump in here to re-ask the question that I asked Alana because my Skype cut out pretty badly. But I asked, you know, what kind of packages can you bring to these refill shops and things like that? Can you bring bags? You know, how do you know what to bring in? So um, for me, like,
1: you know, I kind of feel like you can never have too many mason jars. So if you need to like get yourself some mason jars to start out, that's great. I also find it super easy to um, shop with uh, just like cloth bags. So this is something super cheap. Anybody can make it home. If you do like have a little bit of sewing, you know, skills, you don't have to even buy anything like literally just any sort of cloth bag because you can just like pour rice right into there from the bulk thing. So you don't necessarily need anything that fancy. um Also, like anything you buy in terms of like a jar of pasta sauce, you're already paying for that when you buy the pasta sauce that's included in the price. So keep using that jar because, you know, you paid for it.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And so you said that there are like a few hair products and stuff that you still use that come in plastic containers. But overall, is that kind of the only thing that you buy now that comes in plastic? Well, I actually don't really buy anything
1: anymore that comes in plastic. The hair stuff is just stuff that I've had since like high school that I only use for like weddings and things like that. So it's kind of just stuck around. Um, In terms of things I still buy in plastic, um, there's been a few things I haven't been able to get super away from. Um, so for example, like my cat's food bag, like I get his cans in aluminum cans, um, but like his, you know, food of dry, like his bag of dry food, um, still comes in a, you know, plastic lined bag. Um, the nice thing about those is there are grocery stores that you can drop them off at that take numbers four and five plastics. Um, so I found this really helpful. So if you have like an accumulation of plastic bags, like from shopping or whatever, you can actually return those at the backdrop as well as any like similar plastic. So any sort of like food bags you're getting, this can also go in there, which is
0: nice. That's awesome. That's a cool tip. And are there any like products that you have found, um, in sort of the plastic free realm that people may not think about? Like what's your kind of most novel thing that you found?
1: Oh, um, okay. So, okay, this is a good one. Uh, so one thing that I really fall in love with, um, has actually been this brush and it's like it's not even you could probably get the same thing in the plastic version but I'd always use just like a regular sponge beforehand but it's like this uh brush and it's kind of a long scrubber brush with like a metal tube that has like you know the aluminum one end but like it the handles wood and the top is like a scrubber and it's perfect for cleaning out my blender because just using a sponge you always like stab your fingers right and this is like perfect tool to like it and clean there and it's like perfect for glasses things like that and um it's like you know totally compostable slash the metal bit and it's recyclable so it's like perfect to get rid of your sponge or whatever
0: yeah that's really cool that's really cool um and then the last question that i have related to this unless you want to talk more about it that's totally fine too No, whatever uh, you. Want. okay is i know you're super busy like you do research your phd candidate like yeah. that takes a lot of time does living a plastic or a waste free life take a lot of time and money or are there ways that you can do it, you know, to save time and money?
1: No, I think um you can definitely save time and money this way. It's not any different than going to like a regular grocery store. It's just like a little bit more like thought, I guess, ahead of time. Like, do I have my reusable bags? What am I planning on getting? Do I need like a jar for that? Do I need another bag for that? Um, but I think after a while, it kind of comes second nature. Um, So there's a little bit of working at it to begin with, but with anything like, Even if it's like something like, you know, people didn't really have cell phones in the 90s, but now you bring your cell phone everywhere. It's just one of those things that you learn to do over time. Um, So I think, yeah, I mean, as far as time commitment, you just kind of learn it. And then as far as the money goes, um, a lot of it is learning like what you don't even need to be buying anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, like disposable razors, like to shave, like I always used to buy those packs of like the Venus, you know, disposable razors and those are such a money pit and now I have a safety razor it's like totally metal the only part that actually replaces the razor like the blade itself and it's like you know 10 cents a blade like if that it's so much cheaper you're not buying the stuff that you have to throw away in like you know within a day or a few months anyway so it's actually it can save you a lot of money
0: yeah absolutely and one thing that I found too about especially buying things in bulk is that sometimes like some shopping trips can seem more expensive, but that's because I need to like refill my container of olive oil, which I do maybe once every six months, you know? So yeah. sometimes it seems a little bit more expensive, but once you have the basics built up, right, it's not that bad.
1: Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're not, you know, buying like something incredibly expensive, like I've been a vegetarian since I was little. So for me, like shopping seems cheap anyway, because like not buying meat or like fish and stuff is yeah. like <laughs> saves so much money. But um. Yeah, I mean you can definitely buy it cheaper, and I know usually buying things unpackaged um, it tends to be cheaper. I just saw an article um, about Trader Joe's; they're cutting their plastic produce packaging um, like almost entirely, and it's saving them like twenty five percent of costs. So that's yeah. gonna then trickle down to the consumer. So you're you know paying for less when you're not paying for packaging.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. awesome. Well, thank you so much for enlightening yeah. us on that. Uh huh. Um, so you talked a little bit about you know plastic pollution and things that you've seen in the ocean, but are there any other kind of aspects of climate change that you everyone one thing that you're like this is really important everyone should know? Ooh, um, I don't know if there's an aspect
1: of climate change that I am super like everyone should know about this, but just the fact that it's real. Um, you know, I think the evidence speaks for itself if you really look into it. Um, I think. People should just be aware that, you know, the Earth does have cycles, but that's not an argument against climate change. Um, you know, it's something obviously to be aware of, but that's not what's causing what's going on right now. What's mm-hmm. going on right now is a rate that is something that we haven't seen before, and it is absolutely correlated with what humans are putting into the atmosphere um, and tracking the data. You just can't argue with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't know, I haven't spent a ton of time on the East Coast recently, but Mm -hmm. are they making some of the same changes like we are in California to like, you know, reduce emissions and reduce plastic bags and things like that? Are those all kind of laws around there or? Um, so I don't know that we're
1: as progressive as California per se, (laughs) um, but I do know that there have been a lot more bag and straw bans and, um, actually Massachusetts, um, is, planning on putting in a huge wind farm right off the coast um that should power something like a decent percent of the population of Massachusetts so hopefully that'll go through and um we can start on that wind energy
0: that's awesome yeah cool. I wish we could have something like that in California it really just depends on where you go in California to find really progressive people but yeah I know my sister moved to Nebraska right which is in total middle of the country and she went to get a smog check and nobody even knew what that was there so wow. Uh, I think it just depends on where you are for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Do you have any advice for young people that want to make a difference on the planet? Like maybe a career choice or something that they can do day to day?
1: Um, Yeah. So in terms of like career stuff, I would say, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to be like the smartest person in the room. You just have to work really hard and be an efficient problem solver and, you know, just just get the job done. And I think if you can do that, you can be successful with whatever you want to, no matter what your background is or, you know, um, academic challenges, all that. Um, And I also think it's really important professionally to talk to people in the field. Um, I definitely wouldn't have gotten my job at NOAA if I hadn't just had one conversation with a professor that I had. I, you know, told him I'm looking for an internship, you know, I got this other internship, but it's going to cost me like 20 hours a week to do as a full time student. And it was just going to be a lot. And he was like, well, I can get you into another lab for like you know six to eight hours a week and it'll be so much better and that was where I ended up working after college so you know talking to people who are your professors or who are you know in the field is really important and then in terms of like day to day helping the planet activities um you know simple things like you know refusing single-use plastic of course also mm-hmm. you know turning off lights when you leave your house um energy emissions are huge um, you know, take public transport when you can, and, you know, save water if you can, like, don't leave the sink running when you're brushing your teeth. It doesn't need to be running the whole time, I promise.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And going back a little bit to what you were saying about just like, you know, sending a message to somebody or, or asking a professional in your field, people mm-hmm. are in general, so nice. And totally. sending them a message, like, yeah, the worst that they're going to say is no, you know, or yeah. or they won't respond to you at all. But like, people are not going to be mean to you if you ask, hey, what's it like to be in this field or or anything like that? So I think that's a really great piece of advice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there are so many people who, like, I admire strongly as scientists. And there are people that I was like, you know, I emailed or talked to because I was like, wow, you, you're doing great research. I can't believe, you know, like, that what you're doing is so cool. And then they email back being like, well, do you want to participate? And I'm like, what? Like, you know, it's, people are really nice. And they'll actually, if you just reach out, like, people are cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, is there anything else that you want to talk about before we get into an obscure fact or pun that you might have about an invertebrate? No, I'm ready for my obscure fact. Okay, perfect. Go for it.
1: Um, so what I thought was really cool when um, I was learning about cephalopods was that um, octopuses actually have uh, three hearts and two are for um, moving like blood over the gills so they can get oxygen. But one is for the internal organs and the heart that's for the internal organs um, actually stops when they're swimming, which is why you see octopus like actually just kind of like shuffling along the bottom because it. Is super exhausting to not have your heart working while you're swimming, obviously. Um, So that's why they tend to like just be like chilling out on the bottom crawling around.
0: That's super cool. Wow, I had no idea. I knew that they had three hearts, but I didn't know that one could just like stop at will. (laughs) Yeah, it's nuts. It's
1: yeah, anatomy is so crazy.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, if people want to follow you and get tips about, you know, shopping more package free and things like that, what is your Instagram handle again?
1: So my Instagram handle is at Green Marine Scientist. Um, and I just have Instagram. I don't have Twitter or anything. So um, definitely find me on Instagram. Um, and if you have any questions, like, I'm happy to answer, like, DMs and stuff. Like, I'm, I'm nice, I promise,
0: so. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Alana. It was great yeah. to see you. And I look forward to working with you again. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was
1: nice to see your cat, too. <laughs> Thanks.